you got a text from a very high level source and it was signed off by both the British and the United States government and I was to take a team deep into the swampy low-lying areas of northern Egypt to investigate whether or not the Nazi party was doing a dig there. The main fear was they were stealing ancient artifacts, gold, and jewels to f basically finance their war effort. Little care was given to the speculation that they were working on paranormal and supernatural causes to further their reign of terror on the planet. This early in the war, nobody believed the war machine would be desperate enough to sign on for great evils to help and aid them. And I didn't believe that because I didn't believe even the German army. Their officers, high honor and moral caliber, whether they're our enemy or not, would stoop so low as to make a deal with the devil to try to win this war. And for most intents and purposes, I was correct. We traveled to northern Egypt, to what we call the low country, where the desert had covered over an area that was previously part of an older section of the Nile Delta. And this area was now a dry, arid swamp. There were ancient cities buried here, worker cities. Cities of the craftsmen who built the temples, built the pyramids of ancient Egypt. They mummified their own. They believed in the religion of their pharaohs. And modern Westerners, Europeans, built railway through Africa, dug up the mummies of the workers' bodies and used them for fuel to feed the trains that drove back and forth with supplies to help conquer and subdue the African continent. You heard me right. You can look it up. They would dig up the mummies 
They're dry, brittle bones, very highly flammable, would be stacked up and used to fuel the trains that drove across the continent on their way to conquest. It was a grisly thing to realize they were doing something so inhuman to the dead. But there's very few trees and coal doesn't lie on the ground in the middle of a sandy desert. There just isn't anything there. Oh, but there's always people, dead or alive, that can be exploited in Africa, isn't there? There's always people to take advantage of. I'm not proud of this part of the history and my own people's part in it. To say I am ashamed is... Well, that might be a video for another day. Plunging the depths of that subject matter would take quite a while. But when we arrived in this ancient forgotten city, there was some nomadic peoples. They were obviously lured there by someone, and there was a lot of human activity for an abandoned town with a very small water well and very little water resources. We were dressed in the clothes of the period, in the clothes of the land, as to not immediately give away our military purpose for being there. Though any conversation or look into our blue eyes and white reddish skin in the bright Egyptian sun would immediately give us away as Westerners and Americans at that. I could speak a couple European languages, but nothing from the continent of Africa. And we would give ourselves away immediately unless we let our guides speak for us. And even then, what were our guides saying? Could we trust them to not give us away? It's always tenuous to be in Africa. Spy versus spy. You never know what side anybody's on. But luckily, we were in good company. And our guides got us close. And we were able to talk to the nomadic people and quickly found out that there were Germans there and they were doing a dig 
they were removing mummies. Now, as I had spoken of earlier, I was appalled by the practice of using them as fuel. But they shook their heads and said, no, no. They're only taking some mummies from their sarcophagi. They're only taking some of them, the guardians. We approached the dig cautiously, our guns at the ready. They had a few guards posted and one on top of a pile of rubble, one on top of a small cement building of more modern construction, and a couple guards near the entrance of their dig. But the guards were doing a terrible job at keeping watch. In the hot sun, they were exhausted, and the trucks were running, which was unusual. They must be getting ready to leave. And the exhaust from the diesel truck motors was making them cough and hack. And it was an absolutely horrendously hot day. The sun shone bright horrible. We quickly approached and disarmed the four guards <laughs> without incident. I spoke to them in German. Mm, they were Italian guards. They were using Italian soldiers. They weren't German. They said there was no German military here, just a German scientist. He was gathering up four sarcophagi. The guardians. The ancient ones that worked the nether regions of an underground buried temple that they could only be captured during the day using mirrors from the sun to corner them deep in the subterranean depths of the hidden temple. And that's when we noticed the huge mirrors sending light down into the depths of the entrance, the tunnel to the underground temple. I asked a soldier to go with me. I said, I asked if they were armed. I asked how many people. There was only two men down there and they were unarmed. So I had my men stay with the guards, stay with the truck drivers, turn the trucks off and wait. And I took one man with me that should be enough to handle the two men down below. <clears throat> I 
we got to the bottom of the tunnel, tunnel entrance, and it opened up into a small room. There were several mirrors going in different directions, illuminating the whole room perfectly, and these same mirrors were shining light down tunnels further along. I was quite intrigued. It was quite a system of lighting. It was beautiful, actually. There were torches, too, probably for backup purposes. And there were redundant mirrors, just in case, beside the ones that were being used. It was quite an interesting setup. I wasn't sure what was going on. And that's when we ran into the two men, the so-called German scientists. They were pushing a small cart with a very small sarcophagi on top of it, only about five and a half feet in length. Definitely a female. And they had big wheels on the cart so that when it got out onto the rough sands, it would still roll along on the rocky, sandy soil. It was a makeshift cart. But it was obvious they didn't want anybody else down here. When they saw us, they started to speak immediately, telling us, don't, don't, don't interfere. Don't ask any questions. Don't worry. They had orders. They must have thought us to be German officers at first. By the way, we were dressed and the fact that we were there unannounced, that we came there to observe. They literally ignored us at first until they realized I was an, an American. And then things got a little ugly. They were quite angry at me. They told me that I was taking a chance on all of our survival by interfering. That we could all be dead. If I was to interfere in the least... And that I should go if I had my own self-interest at heart. I told them that, of course, this wasn't going to happen. We needed to know the purpose of their trip. We needed to know why they were removing these four sarcophagi. They were very ornate, but still in wooden sarcophagi, so they were not royalty, but they were people of stature. The common people had more sedate sarcophagi, smaller, more human-sized and shaped. These were very beautiful. They almost showed the figure of a woman. It was beautiful in its painting, the jewels that decorated it, 
The paints shined brightly in the sun that was brought down there for illumination. I asked if I could open it up, and they absolutely vehemently denied that I could. Not in the light. Not in the light, fool. You'll destroy it if you open it into this light. They were saying words that didn't make sense to me. I knew what they were saying, but it didn't make sense. They were saying, if you open it, you'll destroy the vampire inside. A vampire mummy? A mummified vampire? An undead? They were stern in their scolding. Please do not try to open it. And they absolutely refused to stop the process they were working on. They wheeled it up to a workbench and tried to seal the coffin with bands, metal bands, to hold whatever it was inside, crossing themselves in the Catholic way. And attaching a booby trap to it. An alarm system, if you will. We allowed them to progress. There there was no reason not to, and we were definitely confused. I told them that whatever they were doing, we must be brought into the fold because they are in allied territory now, and they had no business operating for the Axis powers of the Empire of Germany. In this matter, they were now prisoners of the combined allies. They said, you don't know what kind of danger you're in, and we'll see how the tables turn tonight. We removed the last sarcophagi, we placed it in the truck, we brought all the men around, and we started to do an interrogation. We not only outnumbered them with our team, we outgunned them. These men were exhausted, sickly, pale. They looked like they hadn't eaten for days. They were white as a sheet, some of them very sick, near death. A medic that was with us started to observe that some of the men were bitten by some kind of a parasite, that they had bite marks on different parts of their body, their hands, their arms, their necks. <clears throat> Two-pronged bite marks. They look like canines. Some kind of creature was biting them draining their blood. This fell right in line with the ridiculous idea that they were transporting four ancient Egyptian vampiric mummies in their truck. I asked them once again what was going on as the evening dusk was coming. They seemed laughing almost that the tides would turn once the sun went down. They thought we were just simple military men.
They didn't know they were dealing with me. I should have probably introduced myself earlier. My name is Dr. Andrew Michaels. Before I was a astrobiologist studying ancient extraterrestrial life, I was a paranormal investigator for the United States government. And I knew what and how to deal with the vampire. sealed inside their coffins, they would be not much of a challenge, especially with the booby traps that they had applied to them. They would release chemicals, more than likely holy water, to weaken the creature until it could be dealt with. It was a hollow threat. They were trying to scare us through supernatural and superstitious ways. And we were just too smart for that. Well, as smart as I thought I was, I made a mistake. And it cost some of my team their lives. But the threat didn't come from the vampires secured in the back of that truck. By telling their frightening stories, their legends, their attempted fear-mongering, they were distracting me from the fact that they were signaling a hidden radio man who had contacted an extraction team. And this extraction team was not a bunch of blood-drained Italian guards. keep the whole project low-key. These were seasoned A-team. The best of the best that the Luftwaffe and the SS had to offer. A surgical strike team of Germans entered the area. We were completely outgunned, trapped. The only thing we could do was scatter into the desert. They took off with the trucks. They extracted their team the scientists instructed them to kill the guards that were weak, bitten, hurt, left for dead. They were off in a second. Our vehicles all damaged, 
destroyed. We were effectively trapped in the desert. What was left of my team that had survived was able to cobble together enough of a car battery. When I say car battery, I mean a desert vehicle like a Jeep and one of our radios that didn't have a either a bullet or a explosive piece of shrapnel through it. And we were able to call for extraction ourselves. We were about a day's journey away and it would take till morning, late in the morning, to get out of where we were at. So we were told to hunker down until morning. There were only five of us left. They used such overwhelming force. I'm surprised I survived. I'm surprised they didn't hunt me down into the desert sands and kill me. But they didn't care. They came what they they got what they came for. And they were in a hurry to get out. I gave instructions to watch for them, but I already knew they would be long gone somewhere halfway across the Mediterranean before our teams could catch up to them. There was a greater war to worry about than dispatching troops to capture crazy German scientists with vampire mummies in the back of their truck. Think about it can't even talk about it over the radio or they'll think you're mad and not even come help you it was when darkness descended that things got immediately ugly the mirrors to the temple shut down and that's when you heard the noises just like the one you just heard the guttural noises, the loud guttural sounds of the guardian of the temple. He would be driven back during the day as his comrades were stolen one by one Every night you could hear him crashing, smashing the mirrors. Working his way up and out of the temple entrance. He was tall. He wasn't small like the ones taken. This was a male of the species. There he was. There was no hiding from him. He was so angry. His thoughts were penetrating my mind almost immediately. We could feel the elder creature speaking to us in an ancient tongue, slowly trying to piece together our language, a form of ancient Egypt, slowly evolving, trying German, trying Italian words, until finding 
out we were English. I talked to him in both German and English. Slowly his telepathic communications zoned in, more and more honed in to our language he learned so quickly. He was an ancient, ancient evil. The men were so frightened around me. I told him it was a waste of time to run. Where are we going to run to? Where are we going to go? He knows right where we're at. He, 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 he can smell us. He can see us. We're dots of sun on a black, cold night. Rabbits for the taking. The only thing that can keep us alive is barter. You have to trust me on this. And I got news for you. The elder vampire laughed. He laughed inside our minds, screeching. true sound of a devil holding all the cards all the aces because he knew not even I believed the words I was saying and I knew we were doomed the only thing that could keep me alive was barter and I was bartering all five of our souls. A nice, cheap, easy meal that would keep him happy for so long. He could go back to his eternal rest for so long on the nourishment we would provide him. Too bad we had both other issues on our minds. And the issue at hand was that his wives were stolen. You see, the temple guardian, the vampire, staked down by the heart so many eon ago, his body wrapped with the magical bonds, the mummy wraps that kept him alive in a spiritual sense, those same bonds wrapped and wrapped around his body, the spices, the chemicals, that would give him Everlasting life is a spirit of vengeance. Turn him into the guardian that he is. Both a vampire, both a mummy, the powers of both to guard the workers dead. These were the former men who built the temples, purified the mummification process, 
wrote the sacred texts, and they wanted a special, special guardian for their own eternal protection. They found that the vampire was perfect, a creature that came out only at night when the tomb raiders arrived. An insatiable beast. One that could be easily pacified and paid for his work by giving him four beautiful, perfect, vampiric wives. They couldn't capture him because he would always be wandering the temple but he could be driven back, driven back into the recesses of the community tomb, and his brides could be stolen. He couldn't travel from this place, but I could. My men could. If I was willing to hunt down and bring his brides home, he would spare our lives. He would not feast on the lifeblood of our bodies. He would not. condemn our souls to eternal death as slave vampires underneath him. Why would he when he already had four new ones to choose from? And that's when we saw the reanimated corpses of the guards killed earlier that were being sacrificed to feed those that were taken. It was simple. Four guards, and you have four men with you. A life for a life. Either you go, you bring my wives back, or these men are dead. I'll let my guards feast. On them till nothing is left of their bones. I tried to explain that it would take me a long time. This wasn't something I could do immediately. I couldn't just go get them and bring them back. They were long far away by now. Maybe even on their way off the continent. 
I had no way of even traveling until morning. He understood this. He was wise. His knowledge more vast than mine. From millennia of study. And he had the knowledge of the ancients. He produced four scarab necklaces. And he placed them one at a time on each man's neck around his head. And he placed his palm on the top of each man's head. He bonded one of the undead guards to each one of them. And he turned, and then, as his work was done, he waved his arm. The four undead guards turned to mist and entered, transformed, I can't explain it, into the scarabs themselves. The men shocked a wink and asked what was going on, and he said, They are bound. They are tied. They are cursed. You have your mission. And he pointed towards the north, to the Mediterranean, to Europe. And he said, Now you go. Now you go. And he faded into the night to satisfy his hunger. Upon the other dead in the area, I was completely out of my mind, the four men with me, so frightened, the necklaces don't take them off, they knew better, shower with it, get dressed with it, sleep with it, eat with it, I told them don't worry, we'll get you there, we'll get them, we'll get them back. But I also knew the Guardian would always be watching. Always able to know if we were seriously pursuing our targets. And I had to say to myself, how am I going to get myself and these four men into deep into... German territory in a conquered Europe. How am I even going to find information on this black project? We barely knew the 
existence of it. Now they're off into the wind. We took time trying to find every uniform of every man, every piece of paper, to try and get an idea of what units were being used there. Nothing was real. It was all fake paperwork, fake passports. We had nothing to go on. Morning came after a couple hours of horrible nightmarish rest. The men cold, tired, hungry. The desert sun climbing in the sky. While we sat in the shadows, shivering. Our extraction team found us and we left the area. We never quite quit hearing the guardian's voice in our minds carrying four undead vampires in those scarabs. He was ever-present, ever knowing, omnipotent, if you will, of our movements. We got back to base, and I started sending telegrams, immediately making plans. We were heading to Europe. It's the summer of 1942, and Midway hasn't even happened yet. And I'm supposed to go into the lion's den to bring back four sarcophagi with ancient vampiric mummies inside. You could hear him. His guttural laughs. The guttural sounds. Don't think he didn't poison our sleep. Poison our thoughts going forward. These were his wives. You're either bringing them back or you're spending the rest of your life in hell. And we knew it. Please join me for the next adventure. I promise you won't be disappointed. And thank you for being with me all these 200 episodes. I have enjoyed doing this podcast for you from the first day I started. And telling you this adventure on our 200th episode, though it is a cliffhanger, was a great joy to me. From the team of Dr. Andrew Michaels, I thank you for your continued support. Until I see you again, I wish you a most blessed day.
Until next time, stay tuned, stay safe. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for ASMR Tirar de Hueo. Please take a moment to share this podcast with someone who might enjoy it and to rate or review it on your podcast player of choice. Those small things only take a few minutes and they really do help our podcast grow. If you are interested in additional ASMR content, you may view our library videos online at youtube.com slash Links to connect with us on social media and to take a look at our merchandise can be found in the show notes. The theme song Atlantis is by Jason Shaw of Audionautics.com and is used by permission. Correspondence, including questions or requests, may be sent to tiradohueo at gmail.com. On behalf of Dr. Andrew Michaels and his entire staff, thank you.